Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of the Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. Sitting right next to me is Jenny. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. We lied to you on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We said we would not be back for a long time, and but we were. So, uh, so might there'll switch be an to the extra week. long yep. break. Yeah, 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 that's... that's <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. We realized with Super Bowl weekend and and other stuff that uh, yeah, it was weekend was not going to be good for recording for us this weekend. So um, we're gonna do it tonight. Yep. And thankfully, all we have to talk about really is Dynamite because we already covered Rampage. Yeah, yeah. The oh. next show will be super packed again. <laughs> uh, yes, that's true. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's talk about Wait. the Elite Beat Pop of the Week. <laughs> That's right. We've got a uh, Rio Matoro, which is a red um, Toscano variety from Italy. It's quite good. However, we had lasagna for dinner, so I already opened the bottle. So I don't have a noise to make. Okay. How dare you. <laughs> I uh, have a uh, Diet Coke, no sugar, no calories, uh, and that's the sound that that makes. Megan, you look like you've got a corkscrew. I do. I. Yeah. That's Ooh. not a box. It's not a box. I need to refill my box wine supply because dry January, I just didn't have any. So I'm working on that. In the meantime... Wink still came on schedule because, of nice. course, it did. I love it. I can count on it. So I'm drinking a red blend called Rosa Obscura. And I don't think it tells me which reds are in it. So it's going to be a surprise. But here we go. Let's see if I can make this thing make sound. I've got my janky wine key, so it's probably going to be a 50-50 shot here. Oh! Megan, yeah. that was one of the better ones. I feel the cork on this is, uh, I feel like it was just itching to get out of the bottle. It's, uh, <laughs> and it's not one of those, um, you know, sad plasticky ones. It's real cork. So. Oh, it's a real cork? Yeah. I think that helps. <laughs> I think so, too. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, let's see. It is... Time to talk about the ratings for this program. We watched Dynamite tonight. Uh, sorry, I was distracted by a picture of the uh, Nemeth brothers on the red carpet for the Jackass uh, 4 premiere. Yeah, did you see that there was a BTE segment? And That was 100% Dolph, like, behind the camera asking him questions, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you disguise his voice? No. <laughs> they just didn't. They didn't play a lot of it. like i feel like it was short questions <laughs> yeah and he didn't like identify himself or anything no but it was definitely dolph and it's remember back in the old days when occasionally wwe people would like pop up for like a split second like <laughs> oh my goodness jenny went she ran from the sneeze. microphone yeah no, but do you remember like the one where like uh, Sami Zayn popped up in the background and asked for directions or something? And yes. And I think I think one time there was a dinner and they panned the camera around and AJ Styles was there and then they <laughs> they like panned it away really quick. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can't bar people from public if you know <laughs> the, if the two companies meet. You know, what are you gonna do? I was, I think, a little more surprised that Ryan Nemeth had the pull to get into a onto the red carpet. Not that he went to a movie premiere, but like onto the red carpet. And maybe it's because Dolph. He's he's the Hollywood hunk. Well, that's what he calls himself, but that's what I call him. He's from Hollywood, Florida. So he has to be the Hollywood hunk. I, I just, I think maybe he was Dolph's date, is what I'm saying. Of the two, I would expect mm. Dolph to get invited. Oh, you're drinking your wine out of your wine teacup. Mm-hmm. That's so cute. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Jackass. Jackass, the movie. Okay. All right, Dynamite last night on TBS. This is uh, per Brandon Thurston of WrestleNomics. 1,129,000 viewers at a .41 in 18 to 49. Highest total viewership since September 29th. Wow. Um, and I've got I've got quarters. Uh, also, like, so AEW ranked number one among cable originals ahead of wow. both, both NBA games on ESPN. The Olympics Whoa. and South Park on Comedy Central. Wow. And you said last week that South Park was a game changer. Well, South Park beat him last week. No, what was going on last week? Yeah, that's... The, the South Park premiere was way down from, like, for week two was way down from the premiere, so. I don't think this week's Dynamite was any more, like, majorly appealing than last week's, was it? They did a lot of build-up online for the mystery uh, like, because Tony, oh. Tony Khan was talking about Forbidden Door and uh, and all of that course. stuff. And in fact, uh, let me see his the verbiage he used. Um, on the fourth, in his tweet, as referenced on AEW Rampage, I have a surprise on AEW Dynamite live on TBS. A top wrestler will walk through the Forbidden Door this Wednesday oh. and debut in AEW. More info to come. Thank you to everyone who joined us for a great Rampage tonight. See Wednesday on TBS. Then he followed this up. Um, he was really on one that night. Uh, 11 minutes later, the Forbidden Door can be open for anyone from any wrestling promotion in the world, whether or not it's a company AEW is on good terms with, even if it's someone from a company that's open for business. They're also welcome to slam the door in the face of their prior company. What is wrong? Like, this stupid Forbidden Door. It's, just... out, of, it's out of hand. He's, like, trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Tony, calm down. How many White Claws deep, though, do you think he is at this point? <laughs> I would say fairly. Um, so anyway, like, okay, a little bit of a spoiler for your, for your, uh, you know, review, Megan. Oh. But, uh, but Jay White appeared mm-hmm. out of nowhere. And then in the very next segment, Keith Lee debuted. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently... Keith Lee was the plan all along. And then, so Tony Khan tweeted out last night um, at 10.32, I didn't secure Jay White until Sunday. I realized after the fact that Friday night, I butchered my own definition of forbidden door and hyping tonight. I heard the fans' feedback and wanted to ensure that tonight was a special dynamite for all. Thank you, everyone who watched. So, because it didn't, like, 
meet the definition of forbidden door that has been established, he went out and made sure that he got Jay White as a, for we, a cameo. We heard him try to redefine forbidden door. Yes. But, but apparently he didn't feel like that was enough. Well, okay. So I think the, the thinking was when people were speculating on who the, the debut would be earlier in the week, it was like, oh, I bet it's Keith Lee. He's like a free agent. He's so good. And then people were like, well, that can't be the forbidden door because he got fired. He's not, he's not leaving one place to go oh to my another. Gosh. And then Tony Khan, I guess, saw that and was like, oh, no, people are going to be disappointed. So he so honestly, he's the, he the only promoter I can think of who would who would do anything like that. The forbidden door needs an instruction manual <laughs> so that we can follow along. Tana, Tanahashi said it like offhandedly in a press conference one time, and it referred to him and Jericho wrestling because of the uneasy relationship between the two companies. And that was all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's gotten really out of control at this point, but if it's going to spiral even further, I need a map that I can follow to tell where we are in the process of the evolution of the definition. Yeah. You need a flow chart. Like, a, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Then this way. No, then this way. <laughs> yes. Can I call this the forbidden door? Does this person is they, are they walking through it when they show up or are they just like a normal higher like what what about all the people who aren't forbidden door people are they just lesser thans i i guess i don't know i'm starting to wonder um okay so quarter hour wise uh they started at 1.25 with the uh with the the nice old big bang theory lead in mm -hmm. and that was for the pinnacle mjf cm punk promo um dipped they lost, honestly, yeah, lost lost about 200,000 viewers right after that um, for uh, Wardlow versus The Blade, which mm. went a yep. long time. <laughs> Wardlow Fairweather fans, though. Come on, people. Support your boy. Uh, they added 100,000 viewers to get back up to 1.186 for the Inner Circle thing. Mm. Uh, dropped a bit to 1.125 for the Keith Lee match. Spiked again for FTR versus uh, Punk and Mox. Dropped again for um, AQA versus Jade Cargill. Uh, dropped again for uh, the last four minutes of that. And uh, the Deeb versus Katie Arquette match. And then uh, picked back up to 1,061,000 viewers for the Archer versus Page Texas Death match. So it kind of... Kind of... Up and down, yeah. Uh, not to retread too heavily over what we talked about last week, but who is the monster? <laughs> it's just clicking away. <laughs> and then they have to be checking periodically. You don't know how long the match is going to go. Like, why don't the effort, in my mind, that that would take to watch a, a show live seems too much. But again, we had this, this discussion last week. I don't want to rehash all of it. I just cannot believe, based on what you said, the amount of effort that those people took to watch a show. Yeah, Jenny called me out for doing that on NFL Sundays, and I I, <laughs> I do do that sometimes, but not often. Um, After we had a talk about it, you stopped doing it. You, okay. You're very respectful. But the only time that I ever did it was when Raw and Nitro were literally running head to head, and I would I would watch. I was. I had Raw in first position, so I would, like, flip to Nitro on Raw commercial breaks to see if there was anything happening. But that's the only 
and that's because I was watching, it was like two wrestling shows, you know, it's not like. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense, especially because it was two wrestling shows that were literally advertising a war, you know, like you had to go back and forth. So I get that. It's, it's more like, what are we doing now in this time? I think that the Olympics is something that maybe you could do that with though. Okay, you're right. The Olympics yes. weren't happening last week. But I do think, because there's so many promos, so many commercials with the Olympics that, like, and the the actual event or program, whatever, is normally pretty short. So you could just, like, keep kind of. Right. You could but, dip in on, like, an ice skating yeah, routine and then dip head back. Out. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good but point. But that was not the case last week, because those weren't on yet, were they? No. They just started. They started like some preliminary rounds of things because now there's so many rounds of sports. They have to start the Olympics before the opening ceremonies. It's weird, but well, nothing. Why are they special. called the opening ceremonies? I don't know. Yeah. That's I don't weird. know. Why don't you just move the opening ceremonies back a couple days? Yeah. Anyway. I... Uh, yeah. So that's, that's the ratings. That's the, that's the pattern. That's the, uh, that's the news. So Megan dynamite, take us away. I believe we Jim Whalen, Boardwalk Hall at Atlantic City, New Jersey, if that's what you're searching for. Megan does horror homework. Uh, yes, uh, 5,500 tickets were distributed for the show, which is a 77% capacity. Um, so out of, yeah, out of 7180. So uh, I don't know. I'm still thinking anytime they're doing over 5,000, I feel like they should probably feel pretty good because, you know. Yeah, and they always make it look good. That's the thing, is no matter how many people they have, they somehow always reshuffle them in their seating to make it look good <laughs> for the hard cam. Yeah, or, as long as the, the hard cam side looks full, then, yeah, who cares, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's here's something, here's a little trivia about the building they're in. It used to be um, uh, a Trump property. Oh, God. It was like attached to a casino, which the casino was um, demolished. Uh, okay. Like all of his businesses, it failed. But um, in the eighties, it was uh, it was Trump. It was a Trump Plaza kind of thing, and it hosted WrestleManias four and five. Oh, historical! Yes. I think maybe we should have a rule of, like no Trump talk on this podcast. Well, it demolished. No, that was a casino. So, but I just don't want to think about him. Okay. I like Megan, thinking dynamite. about his failure. Um, okay. <laughs> yes, dynamite. So the 77% capacity crowd still was extremely loud, especially for this opening segment, which was <laughs> the most bonkers ass shit I've seen in a while from a heel. <laughs> so this, um, we, we find out early on, MJF is here to speak to us as the winner of the, the punk feud that he's been having. Before he even makes his appearance, though, Wardlow, poor Wardlow, has to walk out carrying a couple um, custom cardboard standees MJF has commissioned here. One of them is of MJF sitting and kind of imitating the punk cross-legged, like, you know, thing. And the other is MJF with punk in a headlock. And so Wardlow walks out. inner circle shit, like. It is. It is. And Wardlow looks so put upon. He clearly is annoyed by having to be the one who carries these things out. Didn't get his music. 
No, no, he goes out. People are booing. He's giving them looks like, yeah, I get it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He sets up these these things. And then he also hands Justin Roberts a slip of paper that ends up being a customized entry or intro for um, everyone in the pinnacle except MJF. We'll get to him. So first, you know, Tully and FTR get their their big introduction they come out drinking champagne which nobody's going to fault them for that but you know was they're this, all suited was up this where was this the where they were like really like grab ass in each other or was that when they came down for their match later i think it was this okay <laughs> i was like yeah, they, were, boys, they walked down, for it. <laughs> they walked down the ramp they walked down the aisle arm in arm and then uh ftr bald slapped ftr hair on the ass yeah i'm into it whatever they got going on Go for it. Um, but yeah, they they get up into the ring. And then once they've made their appearance, Justin Roberts goes on to introduce Sean Spears, who brings with him a novel, basically, to introduce MJF. So Justin Roberts once again has to read through this big thing. And Wardlow is in the background just making faces. And I love him so much for this. He just, he's over it. He's done with this. But... But then something so out of control happens. MJF makes his entrance, and God forbid he have to walk anywhere. Instead, he is carried out on what Excalibur expertly explains to us. Um, a pa- palanquin is what he calls it. And when, Palanqu- yes, and when uh, Tony's like, what does that mean? He says, a chair with dudes carrying it. So, <laughs> so fancy word. I, I always... When I see that, I think of uh, a litter. Yeah, me too. Yeah. So I don't know. It must just be another word for the same. I thought it was uh, a satan. That's, uh, that's a word that Jane Austen uses in um, in her stories. Because in Bath, um, there wasn't a lot of room in the streets for carriages. Mm-hmm. Because they made the sidewalks so wide for everyone to promenade. That And it's a pretty small it's all within a mile, square mile. Sure. Um, so most people would just, like, older people would just be carried to and from that the assembly room. Is amazing. I mean, this is, yeah. this is quite a lavish position. You've got a bunch of guys carrying you around. I'm not against it. I think it's the most <laughs> cuckoo bananas entrance that has been made in AEW thus far. Um, especially for just a dynamite, but... But yeah, this this procession with MJF on this palanquin is led by two scantily clad ladies who end up like just grossly making out with MJF right before he gets into the ring. It's it's a messy ordeal. I've never seen PDA like that in wrestling. No, it was a full on makeout session from one of them. The, the other girl, I think she just did like a quick it was on the mouth, but it was a kiss. And then the second girl that he turned to, she went for it it's made me think maybe maybe his real girlfriend what do you think hopefully i was thinking the same thing i'm like if she's not then his real girlfriend's probably watching this thinking that son of a bitch yeah and they were in new jersey so it's like it's drivable for it would have been drivable for her you know yeah yeah so that was that whole entrance took a little bit of time but man was That's it what other people are speculating okay he I, went I for it her name is alley cat is she a wrestler? He dates, he dates Alley Cat? 
I don't I don't know what that means. She's like one of those like in- indie meme wrestlers. Oh gosh. She's like Dan the Dad, but a lady. Somehow <laughs> or, that just makes or, sense. Or you know, Orange Cassidy or Dan Housen. Maybe, somebody somebody of that ilk. Maybe my <laughs> you know, cursory Google search isn't working. I don't know. I mean, I could see MJF not wanting to date somebody who is equal or greater in popularity than him. According to Reddit, uh, his girlfriend is someone named Naomi Rosenblum. Hmm. Well, I think Dave Meltzer needs to have a gossip column just for questions like this. No, he doesn't. We need he, somebody. Somebody younger needs to start that because Dave. Dave is in his sixties. He doesn't care about that shit anymore. Misha, <laughs> he wouldn't, he wouldn't, do, he wouldn't do a good job. No, like that was his beat in like the eighties. Okay, well, he needs to hire somebody to do it. If you read the observers in the eighties, they're fucking wild. Like he's he's like dropping all kinds of derogatory nicknames on wrestlers. And, <gasps> Dave. Like, yeah. <laughs> When the junkyard dog got fat, he started calling him the junk food dog. Oh, Dave, that's mean. Fat <laughs> James, God, mean. He referred to the Ultimate Warrior as the anabolic warrior. Dave, I mean that. <laughs> it's kind of hard to dispute because you don't look like that without the help of steroids. But still, no. But we do need somebody who like whose whose only interest. Is just the wrestling industry relationship beat. Yes. Dave, hire me. Give me your contacts in the biz. I will talk to them. <laughs> Please. <sighs> Until that day, though, I lead this recap. And now that MJF has made his entrance, we'll get into the meat and potatoes of the whole thing, I guess. Um, so MJF, uh, he's convinced that his performance last week is... The perfect way to prove that he is the best wrestler in the world. Um, he addresses that obvious moment where he was shoot thanking Punk for the match. Uh, only he says that what he actually told Punk was that he said the words "you suck," mm-hmm. and <laughs> you know, which is fine. I think it's like a. I think it's fun that he addressed it because it was so obvious that he, you know, stayed in character but also was breaking character. I don't know. It was cute. I liked it. Um, but then he goes on to say that if anyone deserves a thank you for helping him beat Punk twice, it's uh, the big strapping young man, Q, Q Wardlow stepping forward, <laughs> named Sean Spears. Wardlow was like low key an MVP of uh, last night's show. What? <laughs> he on really was. Earth did Sean Spears do to help MJF beat? CM Punk. I don't think he was even out there, was he? He wasn't. It was no. only Wardlow. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what a good word? question to have, Jenny, and probably one that was going through Wardlow's mind based on his face when that happened and the way he very annoyedly stepped back into his spot. And then the crowd started chanting for Wardlow, which I really loved because, you know, he needs support. He needs to get out of this re- relationship. Um, Sean Spears ignores that. And just start sucking up to MJF by introducing a brand new shirt that you can buy on shopaw.com right now. And it's uh, an MJF shirt that references him beating the, the quote, best in the world. Because, of course, he has to really highlight that. Highlight of his career. 
So MJF's proud, and he starts to talk about how his next move is going to be to get the AEW World Championship, but that's when Punk walks out. He looks exasperated by what he's heard so far, which is fair. <laughs> um, Tony hands him a mic, and Punk uh, calls out MJF for his win being as fake as his spray tan. And then he says, I finally learned that I need to ask for help. And so I've got some friends who are going to help me. And out of the tunnel comes Darby and Sting. Which I was like, yay, the goth kids and the punks are getting together. Huzzah. Um, so, the little boy and his boss. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> Sting's going to be there. He needs his assistant. <laughs> so <laughs> Punk says, I want to rematch. MJF looks like really amused. And then he goes with Wardlow. Because that's the guy he credits for helping MJF to beat him. Rightfully so. And, and I mean, Wardlow's really the one who, like, beat him. He was lucky to beat Wardlow, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, Wardlow worked him over. And then in the actual match with MJF, Wardlow passed that ring. Mm-hmm. So I think um, even if Sean Spears was somehow just in the building somewhere, Wardlow clearly did much <laughs> more than him. Um <laughs> And Wardlow starts to be like, yeah, sure, like, like he looks ready, and MJF steps in and is like, no, 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 and then Punk starts trying to pull at that Wardlow thread and and encourage him to, like, you gotta walk away from these guys, they're just holding you back, like, come on, we can go, we can go, and Wardlow, I thought he was gonna convince him, I thought, I thought they were gonna have a, uh, a Darby Sting relationship where Wardlow works for <laughs> Punk, obviously, um, but it doesn't happen, instead, Dax, uh, FTR bald, if you will, steps up and he's like, I want to rematch. So do you want to fight me? And Punk agrees. And he says, yeah, it'll be like the three of us, me and my friends, Darby and Sting uh, versus you guys, FTR and MJF. And it sounds great. I MJF- like that. they. I like that. He even he even specified like a rematch from Greensboro or wherever a rally or wherever it was. He was just like that six man tag that we had. Yeah, we'll do it again. Yeah. Um, but that's that's not what MJF wants because obviously he doesn't want to fight. So he steps in and says, uh, how about tonight you have a match? Cause I'm not going to fight for these Atlantic city losers. So you get to fight FTR. If you can find yourself a friend, uh, and it can't be one of these two friends you already have Darby and sting. They don't count. And if you Wait, win, why? cause he doesn't want to fight them. <laughs> well, no, I know, but like, because, explain? because I think his thinking was like, these are punks, only two friends. So he's not gonna oh. be able to find anybody else to team with him. To be honest, we didn't even know he had these two friends. Well, I mean, I, he might it, have a lot of friends that we don't know about. It, yeah. But like he's been palling around with sting and Darby on and off for a couple months now. Oh, he has. Well, yeah, they had that six man tag. Oh yeah. I forgot. You, and you guys just said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> And I always just hoped that these three would start hanging out publicly because I think they make an adorable little trio. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so MJF's like, find a partner. Well, I'll have my guys fight your guys. And uh, if you win, you get a rematch against him, MJF, which, you know, I guess I, I like the angle where Punk's like, just give me your boy Wardlow because he's more important than you. But MJF's like, I'll give you the rematch with me. and It'll be fine. Um, so that's Punk's mission. It is the first opening sequence of this show. He's got, that means he's got what, like about an hour to kind of figure this out? Do you know uh, the milestone that this uh, match set, Megan? I do not. 
It is the first match in the 123 episode history of Dynamite that was made during the show for the show that it was made on. Oh. Every okay. other match in the history of Dynamite had been announced beforehand. Huh. Isn't that weird? Yeah, because they've definitely done the angle of you find a friend before, but I guess you're right. It always has ended up that that's for like a different show. Yeah. Or I guess lately they've been doing a lot of like, and I'll fight you on Rampage. So it's technically <laughs> a different show. So it's, yeah, it's like later that night, but yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I like it because I think it turned out super well. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm into it. But we'll get to that because, again, Punk has an hour to go talk to people in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, the next thing we see, though, is Andrade meeting Darby's boss, finally. Hmm. So that's what he's always wanted. It's uh, Andrade and Jose, the, his assistant, um, standing backstage with uh, Tony Schiavone and Sting and Darby. And Andrade is like, oh, Sting, finally. I'm so happy to meet Darby's boss. <laughs> I think he might even say that. He says something like that. And Sting just kind of chuckles and like looks at Darby and goes, didn't you tell him that I'm not <laughs> your boss? And Darby's like, yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> so so Sting's, Sting looks at Andrade and clarifies, like, Darby's not a kid and he's not working for me. So we can't help you here um and darby's like andrade even though we already had this talk like i've got more important things to worry about than you i'm i'm going for that tnt championship and at this point andrade looks at him and he's like well i'm gonna be the next tnt champion so see you there and that is how that ends i guess andrade is pretty confident because i believe he he actually said i am the tnt champion (laughs) He said, we have something in common. You were the TNT champion, and I'm going to be the TNT champion. And I just thought, that's nothing in common. That, that's, a belt. that's not it. <laughs> Did you know that, um, that Sting is his, uh, is his father-in-law's like mortal enemy? I didn't know that. That's right, yeah. Um, but what... <laughs> At the beginning of this, Darby was breaking. Did you see him? Like, he, yeah. Like he has all that makeup on, so it was kind of hard to tell. But he was he was laughing at the beginning. I thought that was pretty funny. Andrade's really funny. He is, and they they were like staring at each other. So yeah, we understand. Yeah, good thing he had the face paint on. It kind of the black like mouth part kind mm-hmm. of obscures what his mouth is actually doing. But you're right, Jenny. You can see his teeth. <laughs> he was clearly like cracking up a little. I like it, though. I think it's funny. And hey, I mean, if uh, Sting is Andrade's father-in-law's mortal enemy, then it makes sense that Andrade wants to steal a little boy that works for him. Yep. But if he was his father-in-law's mortal enemy, he wouldn't ask for his father-in-law's mortal enemy's permission to steal his little boy. I guess so. Well, he's... He's giving him a sporting chance. We don't know what's going to happen. Darby might get kidnapped. We'll see. I just like their their relationship and the interplay there. And I hope it. I hope Andrade keeps trying his damnedest to do some business <laughs> here with these boys. I hope so. Now, is Sting really, like, 
on bad terms with Ric Flair? Or no, I don't is think it so. just They're uh, just okay. kind of like career rivals. Okay. Are Sting and Ric Flair the same age? No. Rick's like 10 to 12 years older than Sting. Okay, good. I was like, I know Sting looks good for his age, but good lord. Ric Flair looks really bad for his age, if that's the case. They were like... Yeah. No, they were just age. like... They just feuded off and on from like 1988 until 2001. Okay. Yeah. That's a lot. It is a lot, yeah. Unresolved issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, after uh, after that, we have another match. The one where the ratings dipped, unfortunately, for Wardlow. I feel like uh, it's really mean that people tuned out when he finally is back. Um, but we've got Wardlow facing off against the Blade of all people. Um, Maybe that's why they tuned out. <laughs> that's probably you're right. But this I think, was. I think they tuned out once Wardlow started selling. People don't want to see Wardlow sell mm. yet. Not yet. No. Uh, this was the most competitive match Wardlow has had since he started doing his Powerbomb Symphony, symphony which like is yep. a low bar because people get in the ring, he symphonies them, and then they're dead. Um, but even though Wardlow has to fight a little harder, he still gets to do his Powerbomb Symphony on the blade, and he still gets to do his win where he like actually just puts his foot on there on the person's chest instead of actually pinning them, which is, you know, kind of a burn for that person. Kind of interesting that the blade got done like that when he's, I don't know, semi up there. I mean, you know, he's not a jobber. Uh, But yeah, Sean Spears continues to be the world's least effective accountability buddy out there. Um, And the announce team points out that after the match, when Sean Spears hit the blade with his chair, he sort of took the spotlight away from Wardlow because he kind of, you know, put it on himself. So Wardlow did not kill him, though. Once again, he resisted the urge to probably slap him right in the face, and the two of them left together. <sighs> yeah, he looked annoyed, but he didn't He didn't react. I think the blade thing is interesting just because this is the first time that the uh, Powerbomb Symphony victim has been a heel oh yeah good point so i think i think that is like now a official switch i'm sure i I think going forward it's probably going to be all heels okay Uh, he's a face now Mm -hmm. Hmm. i i don't understand why you guys are calling it the powerbomb symphony when we clearly have determined that it is powerbomb canon and d oh sorry you're right i'm doing it because i couldn't get that joke right so I wasn't even going to try it. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda and Jenny. I'm bad at it. But yeah. So after after that victory by Wardlow, we got a semi-intense video from Penta. Um, Alex Abrahantis is narrating over it, but it's a video of Penta rolling up to a graveyard in a limo. And... Abrahantes says, Penta says, when Malachi misted his face, he spit into his soul. So um, I think Penta has entered into his goth phase and might actually be planning to just bury Malachi in the hole he was digging in the graveyard. Uh, unclear whether Malachi will be alive or dead. This This footage... This literally might have been a Lucha Underground vignette. 
Oh, did they just like steal it? No, I I, I didn't mean that. I just meant it was, <laughs> it was very. It had that vibe to it, and Pentagon is a Lucha Underground wrestler, so. Yeah, it was very dramatic and like produced. So, um, Penta's pissed and getting real dark. That's what I took from that. Uh, but yeah, that was short. Kind of see where Penta is. Um, after that, we dive into the Inner Circle team meeting. The Inner Circle has problems, and they're here to talk it out, I guess. Kind of. Uh, Chris, Jericho, Sammy Hager, not Sammy Hager, Sammy Guevara, and Jake Hager all walk out together. I mean, it was the, it was the tag team, the famous tag team, Sammy Hager. You're right. It was Chris <laughs> Jericho and Sammy Hager walk out together. <laughs> Um, to Judas, as per usual, once they have a big sing-along and get out to the ring, Jericho gets on the mic and he acknowledges that while the team meeting was called mandatory, um, they haven't seen Santana and Ortiz all day and they don't know where they are. And then different music hits and Santana and Ortiz walk out together as proud and powerful uh, they are not wearing their inner circle motorcycle vests like the rest of the group are. And they look pissed. <laughs> so they get out there and Chris Jericho, not reading the room, jumps into demanding an explanation for why Santana and Ortiz refused to tag him in during their match. And um, by doing that, deprived the ticket holders of the exact thing they paid for watching These Jericho wrestle. Fans, these great fans <laughs> didn't get to see Jericho wrestle. <laughs> They were pissed. I'm sure there were a lot of angry letters written Thursday morning. Uh, but Santana isn't going to take this. He calls Jericho out and he says, I think what we've all been thinking, that Jericho only cares about Jericho. And everything the rest of the inner circle does has been in service of Jericho and his his plans and his needs as they come up, you know. Santana uh, is not cool with that anymore. He's here to let Jericho know that he and Ortiz will not be playing second fiddle to him anymore. And he says that the whole inner circle can thank Ortiz because if not for him, Santana would have bounced a long time ago. So. Interesting stance from Santana. Um, Jericho, upon hearing this, <laughs> completely ignores everything Santana just says. <laughs> and uh, rather than address any of the complaints... He looks at him and just asks, what has what Eddie Kingston ever done for you? <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes on to give a laundry list of the successes that he is responsible for and will take credit for. And while, sure, Jericho, you may be responsible for some of the things you listed, it's such a bad time and a bad tactic for this conflict resolution that you're attempting. Um, he claims that he brought in Santana and Ortiz so he can fire them as well. And then he implies that he may have brought in the wrong two members of LAX, which provokes Santana to physically attack him. Um, San Sammy steps in at this point and tries to break them up. And he's, he is yelling about how we're all a family. We're all a family. And then Jericho turns to him and yells, shut up, which makes Sammy pause and is, you know, kind of harsh and mean for what Sammy was trying to do. So Sammy takes a step back, gives Jericho a look, a look and says, you know, my goal is to get the AW World Championship and it's not going to happen with all this infighting. So 
uh, I've left the group before and I'll do it again. And he takes off his inner circle jacket and walks away. Uh, and then Ortiz steps up once Sammy's gone and essentially says, Jericho, it's time for less words and more action. So next week on Dynamite, Proud and Powerful are going to be taking on Jericho and Heger as a tag team. And I don't, I think just to show that they can beat them, it feels like there's not going to be any good resolution no matter who wins because uh, the inner circle is in turmoil. This was a uh, promo of a lifetime for Santana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that my favorite bit was he kept like Jericho kept being about to talk and, and Santana would say, put the mic down. I'm not finished yet. He did it like twice. It was great. Um, the thing I liked the most about this was that, I mean, I think we we're clearly supposed to walk away thinking like, okay, Jericho's being an asshole, but I don't think he was totally wrong. And I don't think Santana and Ortiz were totally right. Um, because as Jericho pointed out, they did get a shot at the tag team titles and they lost the young bucks. And, you know, and they're standing there talking about how everything's in service of Jericho. When Sammy Guevara is standing right next to Jericho with the T with two TNT titles around his waist. Yeah. And what's like, with that? So I don't know. Yeah. He's, he likes them, I guess. But so I thought it was, you know, it's, it's not, it's not all black and white. It's not all right and wrong. It's just a mess, you know? Mm-hmm. But in order to get those TNT titles, Sammy had to leave. Like, I mean, I know, I know he actually left when the pinnacle stuff was happening with MJF and then he kind of came back, but Sammy was only pushed to get those TNT titles when he wasn't with Jericho. So you can't just say like, oh, Sammy's got those two titles there. So it's not all about Jericho because every time Jericho's on around anyone or on on the TV, it is always about Jericho. So Sammy had to distance himself, not necessarily leave the group, but distance himself to get that. Right. I, I also thought it was funny when it was implied that uh, Jake Hager might have Homicide or Hernandez's phone numbers on his phone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I didn't know who the second per, like member was because I think Jericho only managed to get out the word homicide. Yeah. And then Santana freaked out, but yeah, like oh Hager, <laughs> you know, get him on the line. But this yeah. was Hager's first appearance in a while. Um mm-hmm. and next week will be his first match since um full gear. Has he What's going on with him? Yeah, has he been like MMA fighting or is is he just No, I don't I, don't, I think it's just, you know, he's just kind of was being rotated out and now he's back in. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'm sure he'll do fine, but it's weird to kind of basically be like, have, did you die? You fell off the grid and, and now you're just standing here as if you've always been hanging out. I mean, he doesn't really stand on his own. And Jericho was kind of MIA for a while because he was doing his tour. Mm-hmm. Then he had the weird Martin Crane hair plug situation happening. Like, <laughs> So, you know, he's had a few months where he was kind of off. So right. it makes sense that they wouldn't call in Hager because he right. wouldn't have anything to do. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. But, uh, yeah, Andy, I, I agree with, like, your assessment. It's kind of – it's cool that it's not all black and white. I do think Jericho takes a lot of credit for things he did and didn't do. Mm-hmm. And mostly my takeaway was like, Jericho, you don't really know how to like calm a situation down. Because even if all <laughs> that's true, again, I say, if you respond to 
everything's all about you with a laundry list of things that are about you, you come across like you're not hearing it. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just saying. But we will see how this group fares next week when this match happens. And I don't know. Until then, hopefully Hager's uh, getting back in ring shape. Because, um, as you said, he's been gone a really long time. So we'll see. See what he can do. Do you think we'll get to see another... What would you say? Would you say likely or unlikely we get another uh, Jake Hager MMA rules uh, match in AEW this year? I mean, I want it to be likely. I This year, I don't know. <laughs> but I, wa- I want it to happen again so bad. Especially, like, if American Top Team people are just running around. Oh, he could, like, do it with, like, uh, Junior Dos Santos or something. Yeah, because Junior yeah. clearly knows both worlds. <laughs> so yeah. get him in there. But that that match he had with Wardlow was so good. I loved it. It was so cool. Yeah. Oh. Man. Fingers crossed. Let's let's yeah. go. Tony Khan, make it happen. Make up a a buzzword for that and he'll be putting them on all the shows. Mm-hmm. Okay. <sighs> well, after that exciting fight. For verbal fight, we get a um, physical altercation. It starts out peaceful. Tony Schiavone is in the back talking to Trent and Rocky Romero, and we find out from him that on Friday, Friday's episode of Rampage, we're getting that match that we originally were going to have, and then then it didn't with uh, Rapungi Vice facing the Young Bucks. Um, mm. I was excited to hear they're going to do that again. Um, another another COVID casualty tag team match like Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson versus FTR. That's true. Yeah, it's true. We eventually got that. We're now we're getting this one. Yeah. Uh, and the Young Bucks, they roll up to say just say hey. Um. But what it turns into is uh just a fight. They start trash talking, and saying let's let's fight now. And this is a distraction so Adam Cole can lead a sneak attack on Trent and Rocky. Um, Matt sets Trent up for a, a move. I'm thinking like some sort of power slam or something. He just basically, you know, he has the head between the legs, going to pick him up. And at this point, he pauses, looks at the camera and says, oh, hey, look who's here. And that is when the switchblade pervert himself, Jay <laughs> White, walks into frame. And he kind of initially acts like he's going to help Trent. And then he slams Trent into the side of uh, a truck. <laughs> so it's not Ooh. helping. It was very surprising. <laughs> yes. Uh, it was it was nice to see him. I don't know, like, given what Tony Khan said about getting that uh, cameo on the books, I don't know if this means that he's actually going to do anything in the short term. But, uh, but you know, it was nice of him to stop by. <laughs> so... Is how was he here? He is has been doing the um the American New oh. Japan the New Japan strong stuff okay. lately. Yeah. Okay. I was wondering what this means as far as his relationship with AEW. So he's just like he was just passing by, like this may be all we get from him. I think we'll get more eventually, but uh but yeah, but I, but I'm just, I'm just going by what Tony said in his tweet that if he only secured this on Sunday, that 
you know, and it sounded like he wasn't even planning on it before he realized that people might misinterpret his tweet. Um, <laughs> that uh, there's probably not any like right now plans for for the old Switchblade. Okay. Okay. But it was cool. Why? Why do you call him a Switchblade pervert? Was he part of the? Well, he's the knife pervert. I think Lucas called him that once, um, and yeah. I thought it was funny. So I don't know if that's an official Lucas. nickname or not, but. I do I do want to see uh, what would happen if the knife pervert met the chair pervert. <laughs> I think he would destroy him handily. <laughs> or, or maybe they would be friends. Uh, yes, they would bond over their perversion of inanimate objects. Again, a, a knife is more threatening than a chair, though. So, you know. I thought it was cool to see him. I like Jay White. Um, he, I was confused because I'm like, aren't you just like, the face of New Japan at this point, as far as like that goes. Not really. Wasn't he a big champion over there? Yeah, but he was like, if I remember correctly, he got his big title reign because Kenny left, and they needed mm. they needed a foreigner to transition the title to whoever they're transitioning it to, Naito okay. or. Okada or Tanahashi were no, it wasn't Tanahashi. Yeah, so remember we remember we saw that dome show where Tanahashi beat um where Tanahashi beat Kenny. Yes. And that was Kenny's last thing in New Japan. And then the very next uh big show, Jay White beat Tanahashi because they were transitioning to do the Madison Square Garden New Japan show. Where mm-hmm. Okada, where Okada won the title back from Jay White. Oh yeah, okay, you're right. And they did all that rigmarole because the plan originally was, I think, for Kenny to lose the title to Okada at MSG if mm-hmm. he, if he had stayed in New Japan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My New Japan he info is out of date. Screw them over a little. He worked out his contract. Well, I know, but like, seemed like they had bigger plans for Kenny. And don't be so pro pro corporation, Jenny. Are you the man, Jenny? (laughs) (laughs) The faces you're making make me think you might be. (laughs) I'm not the man. Well, good. Uh, But yeah, Jay White showed up. Uh, I was like, whoa. I didn't know Tony's tweet, but I thought, you know, wow, that's that's cool. What a fun debut. Or a cameo, I, you, I guess. I sent you Tony's tweets um, Friday night. You didn't Did send you? them to me? Well, you were asleep. Mm. Megan was watching Dynamite or Rampage at the same time I was. I was wine drunk. Okay, fair enough. One of these mornings, I woke up to 26 texts. We text. <laughs> we You're in the group. I know it's nice, but I put my sleep uh, focus mode on so I don't get oh, notifications. Oh, so I, could, I don't need to worry about that then, no. do I? Okay. It, it turns, it's on from 9 a.m. to 8 a.m. <laughs> or from 9 p.m. to 8 a.m. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, we were texting about Rampage, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's important you see those because you don't always watch it, Jenny. That's true. So, yeah. Well, okay, but I was I was excited. I'm like, oh, cool, Jay White. And then the next match, there was even more surprises because the next match was announced as Isaiah Casti against somebody for the face of the revolution match 
or qualifying match. And it turns out that that somebody was Keith Lee. And the crowd lost their shit. And, and he came out. Keith Lee threw Isaiah Cassidy further and higher than Lance Archer threw Marco Stunt. Yeah. Yeah. I, I loved it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Isaiah Cassidy was like the perfect opponent for his debut match because not only is he small enough to toss, he's also athletic enough to to really get that extra oomph. Yeah, do the helping part. And also, he sold the hell out of those body slams that, that the very large Keith Lee gave to the very small Isaiah Cassidy. So, D- Jenny, I, I mean, what do you think of Keith Lee? Have you seen Keith Lee before? So I had seen him, but I don't think I remember him wrestling. Like I, I knew the name, and I like he looked familiar, but I, I, I hadn't seen him too much. So, but I, I loved him. Like I, anyone who can throw someone that far, like I, I love that visual. So, yeah, same. Andy, he was in that Royal Rumble that you loved with Brock mm. last year, and he came down to the ring. And Brock started laughing and he looked at Paul Heyman and he said, who's this big son of a bitch? That's right. <laughs> That's right. Now, was that, um, do you think that was just a genuine Brock reaction? Cause you didn't know who the fuck Keith Lee was. Probably. I think yes. But I mean, he knew enough that like when, when, when Keith Lee was in there with him, like that, that Royal rumble was all about like Brock Lesnar just killing the first mm-hmm. 15 guys. Um, so he was one of Keith Lee was one of the few people in that run that he actually sold for a little bit. So yeah, yeah. I think oh, he nice. Keith like do a one move on him or something. Like that. Yeah, I mean he he didn't let him do too much because Brock wanted a you know a good sixty to seventy seconds of between entries between entries to like regroup. <laughs> oh yeah, Megan, you never saw that. Like he was literally just doing the thing where you like somebody comes out, you clean house on them, and then just like kind of look at your watch until the next person comes out. It Cause the the is clear. <laughs> I loved it. God damn. Okay. Well, I have Peacock. Well, you have Peacock and you let me use yours. So I might have to check that out because you you guys have talked extensively about it. And uh, I don't good. know. Sounds fun. I, so I was watching this Keith Lee debut last night. And first of all, did you, did you have any inkling of who the mystery person might be? Or were you just kind of like, let's see who this is? Uh... I said I was just like, let's see who this is. Although I did think eventually Keith Lee would show up here. You know, like, mm-hmm. it wasn't a surprise that he was the person, but I was surprised because I didn't know the timing. So it was fun. Right. So with the reaction that he got and just like how over he was for the whole match and just like how much charisma he showed, you get to the end and it's just like, we fired this guy 90 days ago. Like <laughs> I thought that when he walked out and just yeah. the, the utter like explosion, like they did that thing where they show people's faces and it was almost the same reaction as when the undertaker lost the first time, but like with happiness yeah. instead of shock, it was like, yeah. yeah, like one guy was grabbing his head. Like, oh, yeah. 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 Oh, good Lord. Yeah, I mean, I... the ratings fell for this. Yeah, a little bit. Match. Yeah. Because I agree. I, I loved it. I think he's got it. I, I hope I want to see him throw someone across the ring like that every week. 
Hopefully he'll do some he'll do some cool things in the ladder match at the pay-per-view. Oh yeah. I like too how Isaiah Cassie would try to mount offense, but would literally like try to do a move and bounce off Keith Lee. Like Keith Lee would just like put his shoulder up and Isaiah would be like, <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> like fly backwards. Bounce off. Yeah, that's funny. And then after the match, both members of Private Party attempted to dive onto Keith Lee and he he caught one, put him down, caught the other. And power bombed him. He power bombed Mark Quinn onto Isaiah Cassidy. Uh, it was great. Matt Hardy also just bailed on his team at some point out of disgust. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. He knew that wasn't gonna go well. He's like, later, boys. Yeah. I thought at first that Mark Quinn, like, because Keith Lee got out of the ring and Mark Quinn was right there, and then he's like, no, 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 I'm good. And I was like, you're really gonna bail on your partner? Like, maybe take a little bit of, you know, punishment so that your partner can get catch his breath. But then he he, did he grabbed to, the leg. Yeah, and then yeah. and then he got stuff. Yeah. Oh. Good stuff though. Private party had their um, yeah. uh, private rope back. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that they're sort of moving towards like, like re-establishing who they are. Maybe. Yeah. Uh. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm like fully back in on private party, uh, especially like this. Seems like Isaiah Cassidy's been having an incredible run of singles matches lately. Yeah, yeah. Is Mark Quinn okay? Or I don't know. I don't know if he's been if they've been doing tag matches or on like darker. I mean, he was taking moves and stuff. That's I mean, true. He's yeah. clearly fine, but maybe they're just trying to. They often do that. They just try to like showcase one person. Yeah. See yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. But yeah, with they got their they got their entrance back and I've like the and Matt new, left most of the match. And the <laughs> new and the new music has really grown on me. Um I I, I really missed the uh Chats. Well no, that's no. the current one. Oh, is that the new one? Yeah. Uh, I, but I, I, I kind of for a long time I missed the well, it's a private party and you are all about Yeah, no, that one but uh Yeah, that one is fun. But Shots has grown on me and now they've got their road back, so it's all good. Yeah. And they should—they deserve to be like, uh, they deserve to get bonuses for putting over Keith Lee so big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because like you said, not only so Matt Hardy abandoned ship, Mark Quinn stayed there to help, like, su- like verbally support his boy, because you know you're not allowed to cheat. And then after when the match was over, and he still went to like try and go after Keith Lee after seeing what was done to Isaiah Cassidy. I mean, that's that's loyalty. Mm-hmm. Those two need to. Strike out back on their own again. Get out of that AHFO. <laughs> now, Keith Lee is healthy now after his COVID stint, right? You said that he had a really horrible time with COVID. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yes. He's, he's. I'm sure he's passed whatever medical. Okay. Yeah. Um. The other thing, here's, so here's my new theory about the, uh, the AHFO storyline. So you know how... Andrade owns more stock in the company, but Matt has more like Seats. people on the board of directors because it's him and private party versus um, Andrade and the tablet guy. Okay. So Matt bailed on private party. So I feel like they're going to like vote mm-hmm. with Andrade and tablet guy to push Matt out of the company. Mm. I think you're right because it is not good leadership to give a sick look like I can't believe this is happening and then just (laughs) 
just melt into the crowd. Like, he didn't even go up the ramp. He just was like, fuck this, and then, like, sort of, like, went over the barrier and walked into the crowd. Which I believe is what his brother did when he quit. <laughs> oh, was, like, so that was, like, a reference it may have to that. Been, it may have been, yeah. Wow, okay. Just in the middle of a match, he was just like, fuck this, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. Not great leadership. Not somebody you can count on. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see how that plays out. I, I do hope they turn on him. Uh, I'm pro Andrade mixing up the, the Hardy family office thing. Into it. <sighs> well, after that, we we get a video package where we see Dr. Britt Baker hyping up her girl, Mercedes Martinez, for a rematch with Thunder Rosa. And Britt wants to make it clear that she was the one who brought in Marce- Mercedes. And also that next week on Dynamite, Mercedes will have a no DQ match against Thunder Rosa so that she can actually use a lead pipe if she wants to for that one without getting disqualified. And, you know, for Thunder Rosa's part, she seems like she's ready to go, not afraid uh wants revenge essentially so we are going to get that yeah she wants revenge just like the band (laughs) we're gonna get that on dynamite Mm. yeah and then so that'll be well yesterday the ninth so that'll be the 16th so 23rd 30th so yeah so that'll be what two so there'll be two more weeks before the pay-per-view at that point. So that's, I think that's probably the right amount of time to finish setting up Thunder versus Brit. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brit's taking a lot of credit for, yeah. for all things Mercedes Martinez. So mm-hmm. sure. Thunder Rosa is like, uh, not too happy with her. So yeah, we'll see that in a week. Um, after that, we have a picture in picture moment where Sammy gets his cue cards out. And the gist of his um, message is that um, his focus is on the TNT championship. He he has it, but he has to defend it because now uh, just on this show, we've got Andrade and Darby talking about their interest in it. And he assumes Keith Lee is going to be a threat. So he's watching the face of uh, the revolution ladder match like that's on his radar. So is that is that ladder match? Have they said is that do you get a TNT title shot for yes. winning that? Yes. Okay. It's kind of weird because like the TNT title is like also kind of like sometimes an open challenge title. Uh, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I thought no, that was I'm it, sure but I'm sure you're right. Uh, especially if he mentioned Keith Lee and his uh, note, you know, his uh, card, like his uh, card promo. Yeah, and he did have a card that said, like, I'm a fighting champion. So he's expecting to have to face one of these people. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, Again, my only question is, like, Sammy, why are you wearing two belts? I thought when they were unified, you just get the one belt. Somebody tell me why there's two belts. (laughs) The Wikipedia entry does say for that match, the face of the Revolution ladder match, the winner... We'll face Sammy Guevara for a future AEW TNT championship match. So whoever put that together, um, whoever put this entry together probably heard that somewhere too. So I'm sure I'm sure you're right. Yeah, I mean, it's coming up soon. So I'm assuming Sammy won't have to 
potentially lose this title before then. I don't know. They mentioned Sammy specifically, but also like anyone who has the TNT title will be facing. So yeah, we'll see. Um, there are still what three more spots in that face of the Revolution ladder match to be determined. So who knows who Sammy will be facing? Oh, is it only a four person? Because it, I thought it was six. Then there's if, uh, there's five spots left then. Oh, duh. I'm putting Andrade and Darby in there. Like, Oh, I guess you're, you're probably right. They probably will be in it, though. You're right. So, yeah. We'll see. I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen Keith Lee do a ladder match. That's going to be interesting. He is very strong. And a good base. So. Hmm. But anyway. That's Sammy's message. Um, after that, we go to my favorite match of the show. And it is FDR against CM Punk and his friend that he found from the locker room, John Moxley. Uh, as a reminder, the stipulation is if CM Punk and Moxley win, CM Punk gets a rematch against MJF. And who oh boy did this match rule? Um, <laughs> from from the reveal that Moxley would be Punk's par- partner all the way through to the end, where like Punk and Moxley simultaneously do their finishing moves on uh, Cash and Dax. Cash gets GTS'd, Dax gets paradigm shifted, uh, and Punk pins as the legal man. Punk pins Dax to get the win, or no, Cash Wheeler to get the win. But like, woof, what a ride! It was exciting. It was a lot of fun. Um, my favorites were in it, so I thoroughly enjoyed it, but, like, a lot of stuff happened. This was fast-paced and good times. Good times, great memories. This match, uh, it started slow, and it, uh, picked up, and it just kept getting better. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Um, Tully even got... He got like well, GTS, which was that was. <laughs> he tried. Punk, He's Punk had a little. I think I think Tully might have a little uh, trouble jumping at this point. <laughs> Tully sandbag Punk, uh, not out of malice, <laughs> just out of old. <laughs> but eventually he got up there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, I'm trying. To, there's so many things going on here. Uh, I'm trying to look here, but. Yeah, it's like uh I like that they were um that the baby faces like repeatedly tried to do their finishers simultaneously, like that was like important to them and since so, so like they were they were thwarted at first and then they finally did it. <laughs> they wanted to give the people like the thing. <laughs> you know, do the do the show. Exactly. Um there was one moment where like punk got cash in the anaconda vice and like had him tapping out but aubrey got distracted because simultaneously john moxley had dax in a rear naked choke so there's a lot of like simultaneous moves happening throughout mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but yeah very very cool match um mjf and sean spears were watching backstage shipping sipping champagne again um they weren't super happy to see Moxley be the one Punk picked. And then they were, well, MJF was furious. Sean Spears looked like he couldn't believe what had happened when Punk got the win. So. Were you, were you, uh, 
So all I was thinking while I was watching this was like, oh man, maybe we'll get our first Brian Danielson CM Punk interaction in this company in the post match because surely Brian has to come out here and get his answer from Mox, but then they just didn't do it. <laughs> oh, I had like a roller coaster feelings. Like, first of all, when Punk came out before Moxie was revealed, at the end of the ramp, he did those like kind of half s jumping jacks that Danielson was doing mm-hmm. at Adam. And I'm uh-huh. like, there's no way that Brian Danielson would be nice and come help somebody. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. And so then Mox got announced, and then I was like, yay, Moxley. And then I thought, uh oh, but Danielson has corrupted him and he's he's on his like path to being a bad person, possibly. He's not corrupted him. Maybe, you know, maybe they'll be faces together. I cannot wait for this Danielson Moxley. Oh, I want them to be healed Meet together. <laughs> That's the thing, is like I'm not opposed to them being together, but I am like, that means Moxley part of me was just waiting for Moxley to turn on punk. Right. And then he didn't, and I was so happy. But like you said, then it was like, well, what's Danielson got to say about this? And like you said, nothing, apparently. They did promote Danielson for Friday, and I, I guess they taped something, but the fans live didn't get to see it, I guess because they didn't want whatever it was to get out. So it sounds like there's it, there's some kind of forward progress in that storyline for Rampage this week. Oh, so Danielson didn't show up for work this week? I don't know. What are you? What are you? What are you doing? That's nice. <laughs> I'd like to not show up for work. I mean, he might have been in the building. I don't know. He just gets a day off. Fine. Yeah. I mean, Nicole's or uh, uh, Bree's uh, dirty Bree's, dancing it up. Bree's hashtag real dirty dancing somewhere. I don't understand. Yeah. What the hell does that? What? No one knows. Megan. It's it's like some dance competition show. I think on Fox that she's a contestant on. Oh, following in Nikki's footsteps, kind of. Good luck, Brie. Yeah. Her, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, no, so uh, this was good. I, I, I like that, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of joked to you that Punk said something nice about Moxley on the very first day that he went to rehab on, like, live on, you know, to the yeah. crowd. And, and, you know, Mox is like, I got you. Also, Danielson should be pissed because Moxley made him wait, and then he and, and but he immediately agreed to team team up with CM Punk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I love Moxley, but I do think he's like a like a creature of simplicity. You know, like Punk's like, "Hey, I need help. You want to go fight someone?" I can see him just being like, "Yeah, I'm not emotionally invested, but I like a fight." So, you know. As long as they didn't have beef, I could just see Moxie being like, sure, I'm bored and have energy to waste. Like, let's go beat somebody up. Whereas with Danielson, he's he's offering more of like a long term, like, I want you to be a partner in my plans. But take, you got to consider that a little more. It's more of a it's more of a lifestyle you have to buy into. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if I were Moxie, I'd be like, can I still eat burgers? Because that'll be a deal breaker for me. If, if the answer is no. So, yeah, I, I feel like it's slightly different commitment level, but I am glad that he didn't turn his back on Punk. And uh, it warms my heart to see the two of them team up, just considering all their history. I'm like, it's like the shield before they turned on Punk as the shield. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. So that was super fun. And then from there, 
we go to a match uh, for the TBS championship. Jade Cargill's oh, defending. That bitch's that, championship. That bitch show. This That bitch's show? This bitch show? Something like that is what it's called. Uh, but Jade is facing off against someone named AQA. And I get the impression that she's like... NXT. Is she NXT? She was kid. She was most recently in NXT as Zeta Ramir. Okay. She looked like she had experience. A little bit. Um, she's pretty young. Um, this was this was an interesting match because there were a couple of things that were really cool. Like she did a shooting star press. Yep. And Jade did a really cool like uh, slam on her where she like picked her up, spun her to one side, and then spun her back around, all with like the same momentum. So there were there were interesting there were cool high spots, but it was a disaster between all the big moves. It was like they were they were like stepping all over each other. There there were there were points where Bryce Remsburg was audibly calling spots for AQA. Oh gosh. Uh, it was yeah. It was a this was not a good showing for her. I, I hope. I don't know. I don't I don't know I don't know if she gets a call back after this. That shooting star press looks so good though. So there's something there, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking. Is like her athletic high spots and moves look cool. Like when Jade um she AQA got Jade in an arm lock and then Jade like just oh, like muscled power, her up. Yeah. Like, Clean, and she flexed, yeah. and AQA yeah. was like a little child clinging to like her arm. Mm-hmm. That was cool. That looked really cool. Yeah, yeah, like I said, there was there was like cool stuff in here, but all the everything in between the high spots was like a disaster. I didn't hear Bryce calling spots. You didn't hear Bryce calling spots. You must have read that on the internet. No, I heard Bryce calling spots because remember remember when there was like that awkward bit where AQA climbed back up to the top turnbuckle and then just stood there. Yeah. Like, like time froze, and then Bryce yelled at her to do a crossbody. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. Hmm. Bryce isn't always the best referee. He could have been more Well, subtle. somebody had to do something. How dare you? <laughs> I like Bryce. Uh, wow. I didn't, I don't think I heard it just because I think I was focusing on, like, writing notes on other things. <laughs> I don't know. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, but Jade is continues to be undefeated. She did the Jaded on AQA, and uh, yep, that's that's how it goes. So after that um, match, that 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 messy match, uh, we went to the backstage where Adam Cole is hanging out with his boys, the Young Bucks. Um, the Young Bucks consider their upcoming match against Rapungi Vice as like an opportunity to start moving back up in the ranks so that they can go for that sweet, sweet AEW World Tag Team Championship and get those back. Um, Adam Cole offers up Jay White as a backup for their match, as if he's like the manager of Jay White, um, which prompts mm-hmm. Matt to speak up. And Matt's like, hey, buddy. It would have been so nice to have some sort of heads up about Jay White showing up. Like, 
it's cool and all, but did you not get that he and Kenny were like kind of big enemies back in Japan? And Adam's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Don't worry. And so, um, Adam, Adam continues to do things that are slowly, perhaps, splintering his friendship with the Bucks. Not anything against the Bucks, though. It's always that Adam's never really cared that much for Kenny. So, oh. you know. Yes, the BTE lore lives. Kenny did murder him. Yeah. He did. <laughs> so it's justified. You know. Yeah, I. Uh, this is all going to come crashing down. But I did think it was interesting. They were talking about how, like, you know, I know we're the elite now, but when you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club for life. Yeah. So. It, did, I, it also reminded me of when Kenta showed up and uh, and Kenny was like, Hey, Kenta, Brother Switchblade didn't tell me you were coming. And then Kenta said, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> I love it. I love the drama. Yeah. So good. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, and, and Matt did, like, Adam left. And then Matt looked at Brandon and was like, so did you know about this whole Jay White thing? And Brandon Cutler is just like, um, I think I read about it on the internet. On Reddit. So, on Reddit, yes. So. That's where all the scoops are. Oh, the hottest scoops. He should have said I read it in the Observer. <laughs> Try to get <laughs> Uncle Dave over. But anyway. So that's happening. That drama is unfolding. Uh, meanwhile, Serena Deeb is out there being a total meanie. Um, she this has was invented for me. Yes. This is a John Cena Serena Deeb challenge. I think Serena Deeb's challenge is like meaner than John Cena's. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is the compromise of trying to get two women's matches on TNT or TBS. And and they're like, all right, you can have them, but one has to be less than five minutes from start to finish. And oh, was this match way, way less than five minutes. Uh, someone, a, a young Katie Arquette, who apparently has been on Dynamite or Dark. She was on, or... she was, she was on Dark last time they were in uh, New Jersey, like okay. a few months ago. Okay, so she she's not like totally new to the company, but um, she is here to face Serena Deeb, uh, and Serena Deeb's like, "Yo, I'm gonna beat some bitches in five minutes." So starting with you, young Katie Arquette, uh, <laughs> she she gets in the ring, she starts fighting her, she takes her sweet time too, and I say that while also saying that Serena Deeb won this match with four and a half minutes to spare, but she. Like, in the 30 seconds she was fighting Katie Arquette, she basically didn't really try to end it fast. She just kind of did some moves and then casually sort of strolled around the ring and was like, look at the time. I don't know. And then she still beat her with four and a half minutes left by putting her in the serenity lock and making her tap out. So, super squash match. Serena only four, really only mean. Four, only four minutes left. There, The, the four-minute mark elapsed as she tapped out. Okay, still... <laughs> Still. So Jenny got her Serena Deep match. Jenny got a super fast match. 
And uh, yeah, and apparently Serena Deeb is the John Cena of AEW. I like nothing more than a John Cena open challenge. I love Serena Deeb, and I love Smashems. Yep. It's all for me. Mm-hmm. Good, because I don't think the main event is. No. <laughs> but before nope. we get to that, we do get a quick update from Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Christian Cage and the Gun Club. We get a promo video for them. Jungle Boy says the Gun Club are being entitled assholes, assuming they deserve a shot at titles, even though they're going to get one. And Gun Club guys are like, hell yeah, we deserve a shot at the titles. Austin Gunn's like, look at this boy, Colton. He's beautiful. I'm beautiful. That definitely means we're supposed to get a shot at the titles. Okay. Megan, are they beautiful? He said it. I did not say it. Okay, I was just curious I was quoting your him. opinion. Um, I could see it, but it's not my type. Yeah, it's not my type either, so. Yeah. Um, Austin Gunn is very confident, though. He just I mean, he's, a, he's a reality television star. Mm, on a reality he show? in the promo. He's got a romance storyline on there, though. That almost saying. makes me want to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't. So yeah, the Gun Club are definitely getting that match they want on Friday on Rampage. Billy Gunn, their father, is extremely happy and confident his boys will be walking away from that as champions. I am more skeptical. Okay, so that match is happening Friday. Who do you think challenges Jurassic Express at the uh, the pay-per-view then? We've got, like, based on this week's rankings... Gun Club is ranked number one. Then you got the Acclaimed, FTR, Kings of the Black Throne, and Private Party. I'm guessing FTR is going to move down because they lost a tag match this week. And if Gun Club loses, but they lose to the champs, does that... I mean, I just don't think they would get two title shots so close together. Regardless. Oh, I don't either, but does that... Does that affect the rankings as far as they're concerned, or are we still yeah, working with? I think I think they would probably get bumped down at least one spot. Because I could, hmm. I could see the acclaimed. I could too, except I'm, I'm kind of wondering. Like, I guess they've got time to put them forward. Yeah, like I don't think you do Kings of the Black Throne unless Kings of the Black Throne are going to win the titles. So yeah, Who they're too Kings scary for the that. Black Throne. Malachi Black and Brody King. Oh, yeah. If they challenge, I think they have to win, um, because they're threatening. But- yeah. So I could see it. Be, I could definitely see like it's not the most, you know, star power heavy tag team title match they've ever had. But I, I think Jurassic Express versus the Acclaimed would be totally fine for the pay per view. Really? I don't. Yeah, it's like the second or third match on the show. Pre-show. They're yeah, I'm not gonna put a title match on the pre-show. There's, there's not. I, I think the acclaimed would give them a fun match. Like I think if you're looking at the pay per view card, I don't, I don't mind it because it's like a light, like there's going to be high spots, fun type of match, and it's for the tag team championships. Where it's like that's not the biggest title thing, yeah. and I, I don't think they have time to build up a deep in depth feud with anybody right now like before yeah. the pay-per-view <laughs> when is the pay-per-view again 
first Sunday of uh, March. God. So, yeah, timing-wise, like, uh, yeah, I'm okay if they slot the acclaim in there. Yeah, I mean, you know, you get, I think the match will be good, and you get, you know, you get the Jungle Boy song, you get a Max Caster rap. It's got all the, like, bells and whistles, too, so I think it, I think it would go over okay. Yeah, yeah. So fun times, cool. Like, I'd be into that. Tag team rankings are interesting. <laughs> how you how you listed them there. Uh, but that the rankings are a whole separate thing. Anyway, on to the main event. Jenny, feel free to check out now because I don't. I don't certainly know if you left sat the room. This. Yeah. Okay. So the I main think event. Hangman. Went from being one of my favorite wrestlers to winning the title and becoming one of my least favorite wrestlers. Oh, the millennial cowboy. Um, okay. So longtime listeners probably understand why Jenny has her feelings the way she does right now. But um, for the uninitiated. Friend of the pod, Amanda certainly does. (laughs) Yeah. She texted me. She texted me last night and said, oh man, tons of tons uh the uh, the british spelling of tons uh tons of face blood and multiple fake garbage can spots this match is not for jenny oh amanda you know me so well yeah. amanda the garbage cans aren't fake they hold garbage no they are fake they are clearly made out of foil and i told her that you had like bailed immediately mm-hmm. as soon as archer started bleeding yeah i mean he, and... he bled from like the jump yep yeah and so she said no surprise at least he was only about 40 seconds in so there was no time to get into the match before noping out. Also got to miss the now perpetual Adam Page blood face. Yep, I, I just, Adam, what are you doing? What are you doing? You, I, I don't like you anymore. He's bleeding. Uh, also, also, Lucas um, uh, was upset, or maybe happy, uh, to realize that he has the same shirt that MJF was wearing last night. <laughs> Lucas. That's funny. That's amazing. Oh my god. Paisley. Which I know now it's called Paisley. Yeah. I used to think it was amoebas. Eh, I mean it's kind of looks like that, but it's called Paisley. Yeah. So um yeah, in case you didn't know, the, the main event match is Lance Archer against Adam Page in a Texas death match for the AW World Championship. And I I was not sure what a Texas death le- match meant, other than like there's a lot of crap in the ring to use but also apparently the only way to win is by knockout or submission you can't just pin people i thought you told me yesterday that it was count out i didn't know you could win by submission that's interesting that's what they said and i didn't realize that a count out counted as submission until this this happened what do you mean doesn't like uh i assume it counts as well, it's not knockout, is it? Because Lance wasn't knocked out; he just couldn't make it back. Well, in it's the like ring. a, it's like a, it's like a boxing knockout. If you can't answer a ten count. Oh, okay, okay, that's me. But that's not a submission. WWE calls them last man standing matches. Okay, yeah, Jenny. Sorry, I was confused about what count out fell under because Lance was conscious; he wasn't knocked out. But so wait. How can you win a Texas death okay, match so in it's, AEW? It's not, this is different from what it's not. It's not like a count out, like like somebody tosses you out of the ring and you are out of the ring for ten seconds. It's not that kind of count out. It's like you've been knocked down in a boxing match and the referee 
does a 10 count. And if you cannot get to your feet by the time the referee reaches the count of 10, you lose. But I also thought Megan said it could be a pin or submission. No, she said no. knock. She said knockout or submission. Not okay. I, yeah. I don't yeah. think I heard the words right. Okay. So it's just no submission. No, no, apparently submission, submission is, yes. is in play. It no did not pinning. come in. It didn't come into play in this match though. Oh, okay. Yeah. No pinning, but also like Adam won by putting Lance through two tables on the outside. And then they were both laying there and the ref started counting. And then Adam jumped up and got back in the ring. Lance did not. He just laid in the table. So this match was, this match was utterly insane. It was so, so gross. Like, look, um, I fully accept that this this is like a a bloody mess, which isn't necessarily bad, but parts for me were super hard to watch. Um, and also, like, I get that this match wasn't really for me. So my plan was to let Andy just talk about it because um, he probably watched like I watched the whole thing, but I definitely like closed my eyes for parts of it. <laughs> um, I watched the first 30 seconds of it and then I left the room well Hangman said after the on Twitter um, he tweeted out after the match I'm tired of bleeding every month thank you Hangman you should stop doing it yeah yeah you're making that choice and then you're making us not like you so let's maybe make different choices Hangman let's maybe like not say us yeah I like Hangman I just wish he didn't bleed as much <laughs> You're trying to speak for all of us, and you're the only one who doesn't like him now. Just, I'd like maybe if we could get on the same page so that someone would make a different decision at AEW. Mm. I think the turning point for me in this match, as far as like where I had to kind of close my eyes and be like, uh, I'm going to selectively watch, was when Lance Archer stabbed Adam, who was already bleeding in the head, with a fork. And then I know, and, and I realize that he doesn't really stab him because that's not how it works. But like, I almost he, wish that you had just like not told Jenny about this. Oh, I'll, I can get, stop. Go ahead. It's too late now. Oh, so he does that, which like fully with the knowledge that like he did not put a fork to Adam, like into Adam's head. But then he like put it in his mouth. Ew. <laughs> and I was like, no. like I audibly yelled no. And then like converted my eyes because it was horrifying. So that happened. The most horrific part to me was when he he put the uh, he put the steel ring steps on like on edge. Oh no! Yes. And then gave Hangman the blackout from the ring. Or was he on the apron? No, was he, he was did like he do it over the ropes. He did it over the ropes because the top rope was gone. Oh, that's right. Dan Lambert removed the top rope. Um, to prevent Hangman from doing the buckshot lariat, mm-hmm. which I thought was actually clever, uh, especially because it came into play later. But um, um, anyway, uh, he had Hangman up. He tossed him for the blackout. Hangman landed on the edge of the ring steps, kind of bounced, and then slid down. It just looked horrible. Yeah, because they're hollow, but they were strong enough not to crumble yeah yeah so they sort of acted as like a horrifying metal trampoline i thought the finish was really cool though because um and i didn't notice this on first watch but uh waiting of pro wrestling pointed it out um so they had their like their fake barbed wire thing that they love to use um and uh 
and Hangman had it wrapped around his his hand and stuff. So he 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 purposely threw it down right in front of referee Paul Turner. So Paul Turner would have to stoop over to pick it up. And that's when Hangman did the like the thing where he like flipped used Paul Turner's back as a spring to flip over and hit the buckshot lariat, which which has got what got for the finish. Mm-hmm. Very cool yeah. stuff. Yeah, that was that was fun. I I wrote down that Adam pulled an Anna J also because he took that barbed wire and he put it around his hand. And he didn't do the Queen Slayer, but he sort of threw elbows with it wrapped around his arm. Yeah. Do you think that um do you think Jake and Lance are breaking up? Maybe because I they definitely had a moment there where Lance stopped Jake before he could do his like DDT. I, is that like a Jake Roberts big thing? The DDT because the crowd was pissed. The DDT is a, the DDT is a famous move because of Jake Roberts. Okay, <laughs> sorry, I only know the DDT as like a thing that everybody does. You don't have like, to. You don't have to be sorry. Um, I mean, it doesn't involve directly involve a snake, so it's hard to tell if it's a Jake move or not. But yeah, um, <laughs> that that seemed like a real insubordinate sort of sort of move, especially when like. Who cares if he had done it to Adam, you know, like just like, what did Lance have to gain by being like, no, no, stop. I've got this. So here's what I want to happen. I want them to split up. Jake Roberts can do whatever the hell he wants. I don't care. I want him to become managed by Dan Lambert full time and then get a men of the year makeover. Oh my oh. God. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> He could use a bit of a makeover. Sure. He's got those beautiful eyes. There is there is a there is a very handsome man under under all that <laughs> that's going on right now. Oh yeah. Like I can very easily see that. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. I do I do feel like like regardless, maybe Dan Lambert would be a better option as a manager just because of mobility. God love you, Jake, but um you're an older gentleman and it seems like it's a little rough at times. I have to share this with you. Somebody uh, found like, I guess they were watching an, an episode of nitro on Peacock and uh, they like found uh, Dan Lambert in the crowd from like 1998 front oh row. My God. Young ass Dan Lambert. <laughs> oh my God. How old was he in 98? When is he like, like early thirties? Damn. Yeah. He's not, he's not, he's not that old. Well, I, I mean, I get I get the appeal of Jake Roberts as far as like a, a legacy sort of manager role, but Dan Lambert is better at talking, more mobile, and I just I don't know, like I don't think it would be a terrible thing to switch Jake out. But no, I I, I think I think the Jake Lance thing has kind of run its course, and also there's always like the problem with him visually, where you know. Jake Roberts is so goddamn tall that he he doesn't he makes Lance kind of look not that tall, you know, like not that big compared to him. Yeah, like a little too average. Yeah, which is hilarious to say because Lance is fucking gigantic. Mm-hmm. Oh, now I'm just picturing like a men of the year makeover, and also like Lance becoming the third man of the year. <laughs> like, <laughs> Scorpio and Ethan. Yeah. Dealing with that. That'd be so fun. Oh. 
So like that match, huh? Did you did you have any other thoughts about that match? No, I thought it was really good. Okay. Okay. Um after the match. I thought I thought here's here's what I'll say about it. I thought okay. it was perfectly wrestled for for a match that I think didn't have a great build up and so you were probably going to struggle with the crowd reaction if they just done a normal match. I think they I think they wrestled the perfect match for that situation where it's just like all action, very intense, lots of kind of like, you know, stunts. Yeah. 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 Uh yeah, it seemed to me like a match that you would have enjoyed. Um after the match which I did stick around for. Adam Cole walked out. And I was like, uh-oh, what's this little boy up to? He goes out into the ring and he rips the AEW World Championship belt out of uh, referee Paul Turner's hands. And he takes a good long look at it while Adam is standing there like, yo, what are you doing, dude? And then he, uh, Cole... Cole looks at it and then he he takes it and he slings it over Adams or Hangman's shoulder just to differentiate between the Adams, um, and sort of like it's like all right, and they give each other this look like like they know it's up. But uh, all in all, it was like way more respectful than I expected Adam Cole to be. I kind of thought he was going to go out there and do some uh, mischie- mischievous shit, but he so did that and then he left. Adam Cole for the title match. In March. I think so, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they play it because ostensibly right now it's like about respect or at least Adam Cole's like faking respect. Yeah, but like why would he why would he care to fake it, you know? Well, cuz you know, it's another it's another Bullet Club guy. Mm. And he was just talking about like how important Bullet Club is earlier in the show. Oh. Did they uh, have overlapping history? Okay. Yeah. Wasn't too long. Um. Yeah, it wasn't too too long, but they were they were definitely like a Bullet Club tag team at, at times. I. It's like I know that that was like what like three, four years ago, but it's it, it feels seems like, like it was thirty. Yeah, it seems like a thousand years ago at this point. <laughs> like, it's like I think it's like I think Cole left about four and a half years ago at this point. Okay. To go to, to go to WWE. Okay. Interesting. Oh. Well, that adds a whole layer that I wasn't even thinking about. I think okay, those two got... will have a good match, though. The um. The uh, the Bullet Club Wikipedia entry has joined dates for all the members. So let's see here. Uh, Hangman Page and Adam Cole. Oh, so Adam Cole joined on May 8th, 2016. And Adam Page joined on May 9th, 2016. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do they have leave dates? Yes, they do. Um, which is not accurate because when you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club Bullet for life. Bullet Club for life. But... According to Wikipedia, uh, Cole, so Cole joined May 8, 2016, left May 12, 2017, and Hanger, uh, May 9, 2016, to October 30, 2018. Okay. 
Huh. Which I'm guessing just means that would have been his last New Japan tour. Right. Yeah. But not the end of his New Japan contract. No, but I don't think they used him. Because I don't think he was on the Tokyo Dome. Or maybe he was. He was in Japan. Oh, that's right. Because he had to do the thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I wonder what that was about. I don't remember them doing an angle where they left the Bullet Club. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, well. I mean, they stopped. They, they asked to no longer buy the Bullet Club shirts. And to only buy the elite shirts. Oh, that's true. I remember that, so maybe that's what they're considering. Maybe, yeah. One are Matt and Nick's um, leave dates. Um, where are Matt and Nick's leave dates? Current members, former members. Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, October 25th, 2013 to October 30th, 2018. So uh, that's... I bet that's when they asked them to stop buying the shirts. And Skrull's on that timeline, too, and Omega's on that timeline, too. So, yeah, you might be right, or there might have been an angle I'm forgetting. Mm. Yeah. I know when you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club for life or whatever, but Adam seems like he has the seniority. That's all I'm saying. Cole. No. Okay, this is, okay, after a split between the Elite and OG factions, and the OG factions, if you guys remember, is, like, the the Tongans and, uh, like... Chase Owens and people like Yujiro, people like that. Um, after a split between the elite and OG factions within the stable, Omega, Cody, Marty Skrull, Adam Page, and the Young Bucks quietly left the faction in October 2018, and Jay White took over as its as its uh, second leader. Okay. Yeah. Who was its first leader? Kenny. Mm. The cleaner. Yeah. I got you, cleaner. <laughs> cleaner i got this yeah calm down twitter guy Ooh, so ooh, that's so the oh i love it i love the bullet club drama because you've got so adam cole and and adam page and then jay white's showing up and then somewhere kenny is out there and who knows where jay white's gonna be when kenny comes back and it's like oof. and now the punks are or the the, the punks the uh, the Bucks are gonna have to get dragged back into Hangman drama again. Yep, of course. So, you know. and who knows where they land after that's all, you know, the dust is settled because you know, Cole's over here making moves and not necessarily against the Bucks, but not in line with the Bucks. Do you guys think they're gonna let Cole win so that he and Brett can be champions at the same time? I don't. I think it's too early. I think it's too early to take the title off a of hangman. Jenny, I think I already know the answer to this, but did you watch BTE? No. Andy, did you? Mm-hmm. There was a fun segment on BTE where John Silver and uh, Alex Reynolds were trying to cozy up with Adam Cole in his hotel room because now they're all friends and they were like, Sleeping in the three in the same bed, and Adam's Adam's like, I don't know, guys. He kept shifting around and like trying to reposition himself. He's like, I don't know, this just this just really isn't working for me. And then he looks over and he's like, Britt, uh, tell these guys to leave. And it like the camera pans over and Britt's in the second bed in the hotel room. And she's like, Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> she like <laughs> screams at them. They're just like, and then at the end of the segment, he goes, So do you want? Me to stay in this bed or come over there? And Britt's like, 
like she just like shakes her head and looks exasperated like come on and then it like fades to black but it was just really funny but do you think that was a come on yes or come on no because i would it would be a no if this is not a king bed we're not <laughs> we got two queens in the same room we are sleeping separately That's good enough for me i am rolling all around this bed yeah look i spread out okay <laughs> I mean, remember on Total Divas where Nikki had one bed for her sleeping and one bed for her bri- vibrators? It's probably like That's a situation right. like that. <laughs> Brie sat down. And she's like, what the hell is this? Gross. Well, on that note, yeah. uh, it's Super Bowl Sunday. Go Bengals. Good day. Yeah. Up and, uh, I mean, hopefully and the queen of, queen of Cincinnati blesses hey. them. Calm your fucking roll, and I don't want to have to hate you. Do you think she's gonna make a, a skyline dip for for the game? I don't know, but yes. I am. Yeah. I think she's definitely going to. Oh, I got it. I ordered it last week so that like they wouldn't be out. The can. I'm worried about a run on skyline chili. <laughs> you are right to worry. People are in horde mode, okay? And and you throw in the Super Bowl in the mix and we're finally there after 30 years. Yeah. That Skyline Dip is getting bought up. All right, everybody. We're going to get out of here. Uh, I thought, oh, I thought, uh, overall, I thought it was a great episode of Dynamite, though. Yeah, I think the, the bump in rankings or ratings was definitely warranted. I, I like this one better than last week's episode. I I'm still confused about why last week's episode dipped so hard, but I do think this week earned that that higher rating. I think the key is to not really think about the week to week ratings that much, even though we talk about them every week. Like like I said last week, it's like it's only really useful when you look at trends. So, but it's still a fun thing to talk about. I mean, I know you're right, and I never thought of ratings prior to this, but then you started talking about them, and now I'm like. Yeah. Oh no! If it honestly, if Dynamite dips below nine hundred thousand viewers, I I start to worry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That's I don't see that happening anytime soon with that with that lead in they got now. So anyway, uh, we'll be back. Um, it'll be a while though. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, we will we'll talk to you then. And uh, for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. And thanks everybody for listening to the Elite Beat. The Elite Beat. E, E, Lee, B.